Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength and serve the King of Kings. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod. Patriarchy after the sandwich. Hey, uh, Joseph. Yeah, man, what's going on? That sounds kind of down. Yeah, I've just been kind of like a couple bad things have happened recently. Oh. That's that's not good. Yeah, my wife said she's leaving. Okay, that's that's a good thing to announce on the show, I guess. <laughs> she says she's sick of me wearing a different T-shirt every hour. Okay. And I told her, wait, I can change. <laughs> Maybe I don't blame her. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's funny that I was, my wife, uh, yeah, recently we were talking about doing exercise and stuff like that and, you know, not getting any younger. And, uh, she said I should do some lunges, uh, to stay in shape. You know, I said that would be a big step forward. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? It'd be very, really big. If lunge. you were wearing spandex, it'd be a bit of a stretch. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> No, seriously. The, like the other sure, kind of depressing sure. okay. thing was, m- my local barber was arrested yesterday for dealing drugs in my neighborhood. Wow, that's that's serious. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I've gone to him for five years. I never knew he was a barber. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's why you're always changing shirts. <laughs> Yes, yeah. that's why I'm changing shirts every every hour. <laughs> try, try to keep the police off your trail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. You know, uh, I was watching the uh, like the Discovery Channel the other day and National Geographic stuff. And they said some really interesting things on some places to visit. And, you know, it came to, came to my mind, this question, this burning question, you know. What do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both, they're both parasites. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. And in in every sense sense of the word. That's <laughs> <Yes>, pretty much. <laughs> oh boy. Well, folks, welcome to After the Sandwich, the Patriarchy Podcast. Other show where uh, we kind of pick a subject and talk on it a little more less format than the normal show. Um, and if you're listening to this, uh, at least on the initial release of it, that means that you are a Fight Left Feast Club member. Hopefully you signed up with the code PATRIARCHY. If you didn't, you can go to FightLeftFeast.com, click the sign, pick a member, and use the code PATRIARCHY to support our show. You can tell I do that a lot. What are you waiting on if you haven't done it with the PATRIARCHY yeah, code? Seriously. I mean, if you signed up with any other code, you should just cancel right now and then re-sign up with our code. Don't tell are you Gabe. like a feminist or something? Don't tell Gabe that I said that. It's probably not allowed, but you should I do it anyway. They're feminists if they didn't sign up for the patriarchy. There you go. Absolutely. Who who needs to sign up with the code CrossPolitik? I don't even actually know what their code is, uh, but you should sign up with the code patriarchy. That being said, uh, we were off for a week because we had mass- massive technical difficulties, and hopefully this episode continues to go because this is the second time we've attempted to record this because the electric went off <laughs> the first time. So... The week after we release this for members, we're going to release this for um, non-members for free to everybody, just because uh, we want to be nice. But that being said, uh, you should be the first one's free, just like my barber. The first one's free. Just I was gonna say, just like your barber. <laughs> do we give him? Do we give him a couple free shirts to change every hour along with this episode? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nice. Actually, right. speaking of shirts, can they buy a shirt somewhere? Uh they cannot yet. Oh. We, Shoot. We, we used to be able to. We used to be able to. Uh, the the shirt company that we were using, um, they decided to close up shop. 
Nothing nefarious, just uh, family-owned business, and they had other priorities, so that's good. So we're looking for another business to do shirts, although I think I have one. Uh, I wasn't going to announce that yes, yet, uh, but here we go. That's what I did. But we'll be back with the shirts and stuff like that. Uh, but we do have a coffee company. We do have that. We have Mission First Coffee uh, slash Patriarchy if you want to support our show. If you like bitter bean water, as Joseph likes to call it, you can help support our show and support a Christian-owned business if you go to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy and sign up to get some uh, good coffee. Actually, they have really, really good coffee. I did try it. I, I had it. They were at the our last uh, Fight Left Feast conference uh, in Tennessee, and uh, that's where I actually met them. Uh, really cool guys. Neat company. And uh, so that's why we partnered with them. And uh, what you ought to do is if you order coffee from them, you should also put a comment in the order to tell them that they should do a special patriarchy blend, like just a super dark, uh, we should call it something like uh, black as Joe Biden's soul, dark, no, I'm kidding. Uh, although it'd be kind of funny. Uh, but we need a dark bean roast for the co- for the patriarchy. So you should put that in the comment. Joseph's after midnight. After midnight. Eh, I think there's probably one. Threat call. level midnight. Threat patriarchy. level midnight. Yeah, threat level midnight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so I, we do have a bit of a time crunch on this one. So, Joseph, this is your topic for this episode. Uh, I am not the king of segues, so I'm just going to hand it over to you. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, trolling people and ticking them off. And uh, no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. What are we talking about? No, actually, we're talking about uh, peacemaking, man. So, you know, trolling. Jesus- so trolling. Yeah, 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 yeah no, sure. <laughs> Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Now, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And then, um, you know, as Christians, we get sinned against or we come into conflict. So uh, conflict is inevitable in this life, dealing with people. You know, uh, you'll be surprised by this, Tony. Really? I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, uh, researchers have shown that there's a higher crime rate in uh, cities than there is in rural areas. Shocking. Really? I would have yeah. never thought living on top of each other and so close. But yeah, uh, sociologists have done some studies. And and this is the, the funny part is they are uh, somewhat baffled for the reasoning. Really? Yeah, I read an article that there was some sociologists that were baffled at the reason that there was more higher crime rates in cities than rural areas. Why are they baffled? I don't know. They're probably related to the the economists who said that they were baffled that people were worried about the inflation. <laughs> it's like, well, you got you you don't understand, Tony. You have to go to college and and get. Uh, it's clearly <laughs> a postgraduate degree to be able to to unlearn all common sense. No, I went to college and I got a gender studies uh, major. That's uh, what, super helpful. Yeah, I'm sure. It's very. <laughs> but no, seriously. Uh, now, what they say, and, and I think what common sense teaches us is with cities, you have more people, so you have more opportunities for crime. This is Duh. true. Yeah. But that's not the whole answer because opportunity for crime doesn't necessarily have to translate to crime. Correct. And uh, what common sense or even sociologists that did get it right think about is like opportunity for crime means that there's more people to have crime committed against them. But, you know, if we think from a biblical perspective and we think a little longer, actually. The more people there are, the more people there are to commit crime. And mm-hmm. and because people have sinful natures, the more people there are, you get people together and they commit crimes and sins. So, like, you could say wherever two or three are gathered together, <laughs> <laughs> there will be sin in their midst. There in their midst is conflict. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's inevitable. And and it's even true, sadly, in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because you, you got to think like we you know we, which we don't like to think about, but we like to think. But isn't the church supposed to be like a place of complete peace and free of conflict? It's perfection, right? It's right. It's, yeah, it's perfect when we go to church. We never argue. And then when you find out that it's not, oh, well, they're just hypocrites. I'm not going to church. Yeah. Church hurt. Isn't that what they call it? Isn't that the popular term? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's that. Did you ever see that? It's like a church sign. It says, uh, 
we are a church that loves hurting people. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those uh there's like accounts that are like unfortunate church memes or something like that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, if you're if you are gathered, there's going to be sin because we still have sin natures. Now, avoiding church because there's conflict and sin is like avoiding a hospital because there's still people in the hospital that aren't cured yet. Mm. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense because the church is the only place you can go to find people actually fighting their sin right? and actually learning how to grow and, and fight in good ways and conflict. So I think the, you know, as we talk about, I'm getting ready to lay out some steps to peace. You have to start with the fact that conflict is inevitable in this world. In this world, you will have troubles and Sometimes as Christians, being a peacemaker means starting conflict. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, it's it's how we respond to being sinned against that actually changes the whole game. And that's really what reveals if we're peacemakers and reveals if we're children of God. And, um, you know, the passage that you want to go to, I think, of dealing with peace and and how to do deal with peace and how to deal with conflict in particular when you've been sinned against or when you see somebody else in church sin. And and I think you can apply this passage also to your family as well. When you deal with this in your family is, is Matthew 18. So I'm, uh, I'm going to read Matthew 18 real quick for us and that'll kind of get us uh, centered here in what we're doing. Okay. Go for it. So if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. And then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him, and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. And so uh, this passage here, pretty lengthy little passage that I read, though, we kind of think of it as the church discipline passage. Hmm. I guess I don't know if I've ever thought of the church discipline. Well, I guess the beginning part, yeah. I was thinking of the parable. Yeah, yeah, yeah the parable part, not so much, but the part about going and tailing it to the church and all that stuff. And it definitely is uh, Jesus gives his support and weight to church discipline. But uh, this is more about the interpersonal relationships and peace and dealing with when you've been sinned against than actually outlining what the church's uh, 
work is in church discipline. What I mean, it mentions church discipline and the role of the church in this, but it doesn't give you the step-by-steps for church discipline. Instead, it's a step-by-step of peace. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, again, as men, we have to work in our homes to be the peacemakers. We have to deal with conflict. We have to start conflict at times and then deal with it when it arises. So what I want you to see, and I thought we'd be talking about Tony is like, what are the steps here? I got, I got like seven, what I call seven golden steps to peace. Okay. But before we do that, let's talk about a couple ways that you shouldn't respond when you're sinned against. <laughs> okay. And, and so like, uh, there's a couple ways people respond temptations. And the first is what I call peace faking. Peace. What do you mean? So peace faking is avoidance and it is sweep everything under the rug. Ah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. And, and so, uh, avoid, you know, what sin are you talking about? And so you see your brother sinning, you don't dare bring it up. So it's mostly concerned about yourself and your own semblance of peace and people that are peace faking often what they hate the most is for you to point out that maybe like, you know, the rug's about three feet off the floor and that dirt underneath, it looks like it's growing an eyeball and starting to move. (laughs) You you might want to deal something with that dirt, right? Yeah. And, and, and so they despise anybody that would point out like, Hey, it's not really peaceful here. You know that? Mm. And, And I think this happens in homes, like where the dad, he'll come home and um, one of the ways he peace fakes is like he heads straight to the garage Mm -hmm. and he's like doing projects and like, but he's avoiding, he's avoiding his wife and his kids. He's avoiding any kind of conflict. And so uh, it's not dealing with the issue and that any kind of peace that's there is like, not real peace. Right. Yeah. Um, Tony, you have any, like anybody in mind, don't, you don't want to mention their name, obviously, but anything like (laughs) where you've, have you ever seen a home like this where like people are all peace fakers? There's, there's like a semblance of peace, but like maybe you, and you seem, everybody seems cool. And then when you get there or you get around them more and more, you find out like, this is like a cold war. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been a while, but there there was obviously I'm not gonna mention names, but there was somebody's house. I remember I went to once. Jim. Jim. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> um let's call him Jim now. Um I was yeah, I was more surprised. It felt like when we got there, there was uh I remember I remember his, his kids were fighting like cats and dogs, and his wife was like looked flustered you know like she just kind of was at the end of her rope and he uh just kind of there's like this cognitive dissonance about it. he's just it's like it wasn't going on and he was talking to me and i remember one point i don't know about you but i, I just there, there's a point where i just was like hey hey man like if if you gotta go take care of that <laughs> you, it's cool like i could wait you know and he was like no nah, it's fine I'm like i i don't know i mean that one over there is pulling that one's hair like <laughs> <laughs> like, like you can go it's, it's okay i'll wait you know and uh it was interesting because i do re- this was at an old church i was at and i do remember his kids seemed far more behaved you know, at church although i guess i'd oh, i'm gonna hold all that against somebody because i feel like sometimes kids do misbehave a bit more at home than, than sometimes out in public but yeah, no, that that's that's one of the ones that just came to mind. Is I just remember distinctly it, it bothering me as a father um, because it was like, dude, like they're really fighting over there. Like, go go go, take care of this, and then also thinking of how his wife might feel at that point because you know there's times that I'll admit as a man you you get focused on something you have to do. You know, and and yep. so I, I'm not trying to like completely fault him and say he's like some terrible dad. I I just those things happen, and sometimes it does take somebody else. Sometimes even 
sometimes our wives going like, hey, <laughs> I need you to take care of this. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh man, yeah, I'm so sorry. You know, and then you go take care of what you need to take care of. So that could have been the, the case with that one there. Although he did say it was fine. And I just remember that kind of hit me as kind of funny. Like, no, nah, I don't, I really don't, I don't think that's fine. <laughs> like one kid's on the floor, the other kid's grabbing his hair and like, <laughs> just, it's not fine. <laughs> Pay no attention to it, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's got more hair to grow back. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like that that kind of peace faking, man, that, uh, you know, like a lot of times a, a man won't ever like mention his wife's sins. Hmm. And, and, you know, the reason why is because he knows that when he does, like there's going to be real conflict. Right. And there's going it, to like, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be like, we. I think we've used this term before. There's going to be like chaos and, you know. We're, as Jordan Peterson, we're, we're going to descend into chaos. And, and well, well, it'll disrupt. Yeah, it'll disrupt that what we're talking about, that fake peace that he he clings to, which is more just comfort than peace, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you see this in church, right? Like, uh, and, and you see the whole like, we're, we're, everything's fine. You know, Amy Bird's fine. And Ugh, yeah. Yeah. You remember like in who like. All these people were like lashing out at uh, some some pastors for mentioning the fact, like you know, it's not fine. Mm-hmm. She's going down this path, and you know, I, I I wrote this article, which probably was maybe a little over the top, but it was like you know, her, is anybody going to tell her to shut up? Is her husband going to tell her? And everybody kind of was like, just concerned on the fact that like I was using some pretty. Um, heavy rhetoric, but I mean, I had real concern and for the church and for her and well, she's, uh, I mean, well now she's all the way out. Like she's all the way saying, you know, well, she's, she had an article that was like, that was then. And this is now. Right. And she's, so she left her denomination, correct? correct Yeah. 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 She left her denomination. And then in that article, I mean, she, you know how you know how they have uh, so many. Actually, somebody put it in a comment. I wonder under one of our posts, they they said, "Where have I heard the future is female before?" And that's effectively what she was saying in one part of it, where she was saying that, like, mm-hmm. you know, the basically that the you know the church is feminine and all these things. It I, you'd have to go back and read it. We we posted, I think, the article only posted a clip from it, but um, yeah, I mean, when I when I first saw the article being out there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read it and I'm going to see what she has to say. I didn't bother to read other people's stuff on it. I was like, I'm just going to read what she has to say. And I was deeply disturbed. And that's actually the first thing that came to my mind is like, my goodness, like, where is her husband? Where are her pastors? How would you, because this is, you had to let her go for a long time to get there. Yeah, and they they could have protected her Absolutely. and her soul. Absolutely. And now she's, you know, she's going down a path and I, I you know, I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I imagine there's going to be some kind of deconstruction story. That's in the I, next year or so, you know what I mean? What, yeah, like, that's what I think is going to happen too. I don't want it to. Ha- I don't know if I want it to happen, but that it seems like the way she's talking. It, it's it seems like a lot of the way she's talking and the things she's adopting, it's always the, kind of the warning signs along the road to deconstruction. It's it's those precursors that come before it, and yeah, it's sad that nobody loved her enough to like you're saying, disrupt the false peace, you know, and, and say like, look, you, this is not a good road you're going down. Like this only leads, you know, away from God and out of the church. Yeah. So peace faking, it only self-preservation, doesn't care about the other person and ultimately actually will harm yourself because eventually people get tired of it mm-hmm. and there's no real peace. Now, the second wrong way to do it, and then we'll get to the right ways is, is, Kind of the opposite is peace breaking. Okay, like the opposite. So just always, always going for the throat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's it's always thinking about what the other person like. They sin against me. They need to change. It's all about what the other person like has to do. Gotcha. And so you don't have any patience. You always lash out, and you don't have any peace because you don't know what peace looks love, like. Love so. covers a multitude of sins except that one. Yeah, like, like and then yeah. yeah, so like it's uh, you know it's when and it, it it actually what happens is uh 
oftentimes people that are married together are one or the other. Or sometimes they go back and forth between them. For example, like the peacebreaker will become the peace faker and avoid, have avoidance or uh, flight. uh, They'll run away. What I mean is, um, you know, like a woman that's nagging her husband, nagging, nagging, nagging. He's avoiding. Eventually she says something and he breaks. He's like this volcano that's been simmering. And now he blows up, and then her response is peace faking. That is, her response is fleeing. Like, well, I can't talk to him. I'm not going to talk now. Gotcha. Okay. And she becomes the victim Mm -hmm. when she had been the aggressor in kind of the conflict. And again, part of it is his passiveness. And so, right. Yeah. So you get this like uh, combination of things. You know, passive aggressiveness is a part of it where like, Somebody sins against you, and so you're passively getting back at them. And like, I don't know, half the time the person doesn't even know you're doing it. <laughs> it's like you're so bad at it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like, well, he sinned against me. I'm gonna stop. Like, I'm not gonna. When he does something good, I'm not gonna praise him. I'll praise other people and well, stuff. There, or there's, there's, I, th- I swear, there's been things like that in movies or whatever where it's just like. Haven't you noticed that I haven't been talking to you for the past three days? And the person's like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, oh. Or uh, office space where like they, they didn't have the guts to fire the guy. So yeah. that they, yeah, they take his, uh, it's his stapler. stapler. Yes, yeah, stapler. They take his stapler. Well, they take a stapler. Then, they send him to the basement. and Yeah, they yeah. stop paying him. They <laughs> stop paying him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need you to go to the basement. And uh, yeah, there's a roach problem. If you get a can of raid, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, so you have that kind of uh, um, passive aggressiveness, and another way that this kind of a peace faking and peace breaking happens is with gossip. So the person will fake the peace, but then they're going all over the place breaking it by like just, can you believe so and so said this? They're just asking for prayer requests. That's what yes. they're doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and all of this is contrary to how. Christ would have us resolve the conflict. So that's that's enough dealing with not how to do it. I th- we all know how not to do it because we all not do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're well practiced in that. So I have seven, and we'll try to get through them pretty quickly, seven steps to, to peace. And and they come from the passage. Uh, you don't If you're following this as like a flow chart, you don't have to go through every step all, all the time. Lord willing, you go through the first two or three and you're done. So uh, the the first step, though, is uh, and and because I'm a pastor and I get to alliterate, they all start with G. I, That's why I, I, I knew I, I knew when you told me before this episode, you had a list of like, this is going to be alliteration. I know it. <laughs> yeah, that's the seven golden steps. Yeah. So I don't always alliterate. I rarely actually alliterate in sermons, but this one, it, it was a good opportunity. All right, it pastor, Dr. Memorable. Seuss, go for it. Yeah. So the first one is glorify God. And... It's implied when Jesus says, if your brother, um, by brother, he means he's talking to Christians. And as Christians, we know, you know, the scripture says, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do all things to the glory of God. And so uh, the very first part of peacemaking is to have the right priorities. And that is when you've been sinned against, you can either see it as an assault on your character and who you are and all that stuff. And, or you can see it as an, an assault on God and his character and his glory. And you can also see it as an opportunity to glorify God. And so if you start with that, like when I'm sinned against, obviously God has allowed this to happen. He could have stopped it. Therefore, there must be a purpose, and the purpose we know is to glorify God. And so if we start there, I'm going to glorify God, and I'm going to take a, take a step back. And so the kind of first step is really a step backwards to get your bearings, respond when you've been sinned against by taking a breather and getting your motives right. 
what you're about to do, the rest of the process really is not about you and how you've been hurt. It's about reclaiming God's glory and secondly, reclaiming your brother. Because if you read there in Matthew uh, 18, Jesus says, uh, uh, what does he say here? If if he listens to you, you've won your brother, mm-hmm. which is so important because it doesn't say if he listens to you, you've won the argument. <laughs> Very true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that'd be the modern modern version of the Bible, right? If yeah. he listens to you, you won. <laughs> Congratulations. You, you won the argument. And yeah. which, you know, I'm always impressed, I, I think, uh, by when I watch pastors and, and or people doing street preaching by those when you're observing them. I think Jeff Durbin does a good job, a uh, good job sometimes of like winning the person and not just winning the argument. Yeah, he's talking to the person rather than yeah, thinking of how to win the argument, yeah. I actually think maybe Ray Comfort might even be the best. Like Yeah, Ray has such a he he's got such a big heart. Like it really does come through the way he talks to people. You can tell even when he's asking somebody really hard questions, he cares about that person. Yeah, and he, he doesn't avoid conflict. When they say stuff, like when he's interviewing them and it's not right, yep, he absolutely. challenges them on absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. But you always come across, and, and usually the people come across thinking, okay, this guy cares about me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so, again, that man, if we could just start there, <laughs> if we just started there, 99% of our arguments and stuff and fights would resolve peacefully if we started with the glory of God in mind. God will be glorified in how I do this and the fact that I do this. And I'm attempting to win my brother back from his sin. And uh, I'm what what a uh, what a place to start. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step: glorify God. Sec- step number two is get the log out of your own eye. Mm-hmm. That's a hard and, one. Yeah. And again, going back to that passage in Matthew, it's like if your brother sins, and so if you emphasize the word sins, your brother sins, the point being it's talking about when somebody else sins, which means that if you're going to deal with this, you better not be also sinning. Yeah. And so you go back to that passage, you know, judge not, everybody wants to go to, right? Judge not, because the manner in which you judge, you will be judged. But then, you know, you hypocrite, how can you see to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? So take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see the speck to get out of your brother's eye. And so like, so if the first step is getting your motives right, the second step is making sure that you are the kind of person that can go and do the battle hmm. and can go into the conflict. Like You want to go in unencumbered by sin, which means like maybe you were sinned against, but was there, did you contribute at all? Absolutely. Did you respond to their sin in an ungodly manner and you need to uh, repent of that? Were you the one that uh, threw the temptation up? Um, this is not a kind of blame the victim thing. I know everybody wants to think of that. Yet, they're, you know, if you're walking down a street with in, in, a, in, a, in a hood with a bunch of money taped all over your clothes... <laughs> You have a weird fashion sense. <laughs> yeah. But you, you're you not guilty of another... If somebody comes and beats you up and robs you, you're not guilty of their sin. They still hold the blame. But you are guilty of being a fool and put a stumbling block among others. Mm-hmm. And so uh, whatever your sin, if you contributed in a way, um, then you need to repent. And then you might, when you get ready to go to the next step here or so, might need to confess that as you go. So a lot of it is about humility and starting to make sure you're the right kind of person that can go into battle. So ready to be on the next step? Go for it. All right. Next step is get over it. <laughs> hey, there's no alliteration on that one. <laughs> it is. It starts with a G. Glorify oh, oh, God. Get okay. the log out of your own eyes. Get over it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking the first one had glorify God. Had two in that. Okay. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get over it. So, uh, you know, basically, you have to discern if it's a sin that can be overlooked or a sin or a sin that can't be. And what I mean is, like, if your wife has been up all night with the kids and she's cranky in the morning, 
do you really need to have a sit down that evening? <laughs> right. Where you call out her sin? Right. Now, if it is a pattern. Pattern. Yep. I was going to say a pattern. Yeah. A constant pattern. Then yeah, maybe. Right. If it's some, or if it, or this is going to sound contradictory. If it's out of character and you can contribute it to something like that, then you don't confront it. Sometimes though, if it's out of character, you have to confront it. Cause you're like, well, this is kind of out of character for this person. Yeah. And this is like a big deal. And so I yeah. guess the, yeah, yeah go ahead. Ver- I was going to say, yeah, the severity of it. I mean, there's, yeah, you have to, you have to know the person well, especially if it's your wife, you're going to know. And that's the big thing. Yeah, man. There's, I don't know, it comes with years of marriage, I'm sure. And nobody's perfect at it. I know I am not. But yeah, there are so many times now where it's like, even with the kids, you know, if if one of the kids says something, I'll obviously go talk to the other kid and be like, you know, hey, you shouldn't really, you know, say this to your brother or whatever. But I'll say to the kid, like, you know, I just, you know, overlook it. Let it go. You know, she she was, she's sick. She had a bad day or something like that. I'm not saying it's okay, but there's no reason you need to, get so upset with her, you know, that kind of thing, and then go talk to her. But when it comes to, like, our wives and stuff, too, I'll tell you what, man. If my wife is ever cranky or whatever with something like that, one of the things I I have grown to love and know about her is that, I mean, not that you never say anything, but again, you're saying it's out of character. Things that are out of character for her, man, I'll tell you what. If that happened, like, this morning, not saying it did, hypothetical, by dinner time you know, when I get home or something, she would have probably come to me or text me during the day and said, Hey, you know what? I'm really sorry. I was cranky with you this morning. You didn't deserve that or something like that. Like she, she knows. And, and, but that's one of the things I think it goes to making sure that it's out of character for somebody, uh, versus a pattern. And then also, uh, how you decipher the pattern, but yeah. Yeah. You like, a. Uh... The book of Proverbs talks about a wise man knows the the, the condition of his flocks. Mm-hmm. So you think about a father, you need to know condition of your house. Yep. yep. Right. And so if you're oblivious, if you're the peace faker all the time. Yes. Then you wouldn't know. Th- yeah. Then you don't know. Yep. And uh, so this get over it part, this love covers a multitude of sin, sins is not an excuse for peace faking and covering up sins that are harmful to the family or right. harmful to the church. So you basically got to figure out is, is, is the person who sinned against me going to suffer if they continue in this sin or without, uh, you know, without uh, me forgiving them, are they going to suffer? Are they going to, are they going to continue? Is anybody else going to get hurt if they continue to do it? Mm-hmm. Am I unsafe? Mike, is it dangerous to me? Um, and is God going to be dishonored if you simply forget it and move yeah. on, right? And so if if it's not harmful, then just get over it. You got the log out of your own eye. You've glorified God, and you have other opportunities to to follow the rest. But if it is of a serious nature or um, something you can't just look over, then you go to the next step. So let's go to the next step which is uh, go and show. Mm, alliteration and rhyming. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> it's a I'm really doing it big this time. Yeah. <laughs> so out of love of God and neighbor, math, Jesus says in Matthew, like go to the offender and show him his sin. And, and, and I think it says in private, um, which the whole purpose of it is, you're protecting your brother's honor, right? You're not going to him on Facebook and <laughs> and announcing it that way. Yeah. Now, having said that, we are talking about private sins, right? If, uh, if somebody puts something out in public and you're responding to that, you know, people always wanted to say like some pastor or some false teacher put out this teaching and so you respond and you put out a correction to it and somebody's always like what well, did you follow Matthew 18 yeah so did just... you go to them in private <laughs> yeah well you know this is talking about private sins amongst brothers this is talking about conflict in that way in which you're dealing with it in a way that covers their honor but if their honor is already blown and all the way out in public like that um 
and they're speaking and and that kind of thing comes under like Titus one, where pastors and elders have a responsibility to to um, to exhort and rebuke and to to not only teach what's good but also to correct what is uh, bad. But anyways, one other thing to point out about this going and showing mm-hmm. is the term going means that like you were not there and then you had to go somewhere to them, which means that in the heat of an argument, in the heat of a conflict, is not the time to do this step. <laughs> it's like... But whatever reason, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, What could go wrong? So, Or somebody else... Or it, it, usually what happens is somebody else is following this pattern step, and so they've come to you to confront your sin, and you realize now would be a good time to confront their sin on something else. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like deflect, <laughs> deflect. Yeah, yeah. So protect and deflect. Look, I got ones too. <laughs> again, you got to be careful of the avoidance. If you've been the avoidance the whole time, and you're being called out, and your wife is fed up, and you're saying, "Well, no, that's let's deal with this later," and that's your pattern. She's not going to trust you to deal with it later. Yeah. But there are times where in the heat of the conflict where you got to say, okay, we got to get the kids to bed and we got to get some rest because we got a day tomorrow. How about we pause our argument now and we come back at it tomorrow and let's go through this. So, but the whole thing is you're going and you're telling the person about their sin. And that is like conflict right there, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so why don't we do that is because we're cowards and and we don't start off with glorifying God as our objective. We start off with protecting ourselves. And yeah, we love comfort. Yeah. Yep. So if you go and you point out the error, you ought to point to God's commands, point to Christ's mercy, give them an opportunity to repent. And if so, you've won your brother and you can skip all the way to step seven. If not, you move to step five. So we'll move to step five. Okay. Which is, you gather a witness. Well, step five is you gang up on them. Okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> it was like it starts with a G, so it could have went in there. It could have went, it but no, it's it's gather up, gather a witness. Okay. Which isn't the same as ganging up on them. Right. Correct. It, it's rather to get a couple of godly witnesses who can go with you and kind of help mediate the conflict. So maybe some mutual friends, family, neighbors, people they trust. Uh, it could be your pastor elders, uh, like a pastor that you trust. And the point of going is having somebody to maybe mediate. It could be having somebody else tell you, hey, you probably ought to just drop it. It's not worth following up on, like getting wisdom. Or it's the purpose of going and the fact that two or three witnesses speaks it to the person. There's a heavy weight to it, right? right? Somebody comes up to you and tells you you're sinning, but then they come back with two or three witnesses. Hey, we all saw this too. Yeah, it's hard to. And you're also, you're also, you know, in this case, preserving your own honor too, which is an important thing to do, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, Why you shouldn't think of yourself first, you do have to protect your honor and 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 uh, your reputation. That's a good thing to do. Now, if they listen to two or three witnesses, good job. Skip to, skip to number seven. If not, go to number six. So we're you sh- we're going to number six, aren't we, Joseph? Yeah, we're going to tell. number six. <laughs> yep. You you did not listen to our witnesses, Tony. We're going straight to number six. Fine. All right. <laughs> which is I'm calling it. Go to church. Which is uh, which could be in a in a family mindset. If you got kids, it's go to the parents. But it's basically take the matter to those in authority over you. And so you bring the conflict to the elders of the church and give them the information and then trust them to judge. And so this is where church discipline comes into place. But what you notice here is, like I said, this is step six. And this step doesn't really tell you how the church discipline process itself plays out other than you take it to the church. And uh, I I should quickly point out, Tony, that that doesn't mean... You went to your brother on Tuesday. He didn't listen. You took two friends on Wednesday, and then Sunday 
in the middle of the service, you stand up <laughs> and announce. I knew this where you were going with that. <laughs> Excuse me, well, Pastor. You, <laughs> we, we have something we'd talk about. <laughs> you would be surprised. I've seen that. Oh, I'm sure it's happened, yeah. And uh, not to pick on my Baptist friends, but there's a kind of Baptist way of, that, that has looked at this passage and seen this as like, that's the process. Like, And then the congregation is supposed to vote on whether to kick them out or not. Yeah, although I don't think they just stand up in the middle of the service, though. No, they don't stand <laughs> up, but what they'll do is tell the pat like... Like a, usually what they Baptist do is step, <laughs> so. step two is usually have the pastor and elders go with you or not step two, the, the one where you take the, the witness okay. step five and they'll take like a pastor and elder. Then the pastor and elders will bring them to the whole church and the church will vote. But that's, that's still not what's happening here. Eh, I don't know if that's necessarily a Baptist thing, but I'll let it slide. Keep going. All right. Well, okay. But maybe you're, you're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But this is what I've seen. This is what I've seen in some of the churches. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring two or three Baptists with me next time. Yes, thank we're, you. We're gonna we're gonna have this out. <laughs> we'll hammer it out. I'm not trying to straw man them. The point I'm trying to make. I love my Baptist brothers. Is that Baptist. Uh, uh, is that uh, this is this passage when it tells talk to the church. You got to remember the New Testament church hasn't even been established yet. So Jesus is he's talking in the sense of the Old Testament church and the context of judgment and stuff in the Old Testament church. But yeah, so in the Old Testament, you remember when Moses, they kept bringing all their cases to him. He established elders, put them one man over 10 and, and hundreds, and those things, 40s and hundreds, and established various courts, levels of courts with elders. And you see the elders would sit in the city gates and they would hear the courts and hear the, the cases and so when Jesus says, go to the church, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about go to that system. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is what you're doing. Jesus, the, Paul said, you know, the church is capable of, uh, and will be judging angels. So can't it handle our disagreements now? But that's like the last thing we ever think about. Like we would rather go to civil courts where they don't know the difference between a boy and a girl and all that stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. And so we've got to reclaim these uh, church courts and being able to trust them. And then you'll see here that Jesus gives his full weight to it. Like he says, you know, where uh, he says, you know, whatever you loose here on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind here on earth will be bind in heaven. And uh, whatever two or more ask in my name, my father will give it to them. And then the third thing he gives, which is kind of like the whole grounding of it is, Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. And so the reason God honors church discipline is because Jesus is there. He's agreeing with what the church is doing. Now, saying that doesn't mean that every instance in every church, right? The, the, the important qualifier is in his name, mm -hmm. right? By his word, his law, making decisions in line with that. And when they do, Jesus honors it. So it's not like, oh, the Pope can do whatever he wants and God's <laughs> going to honor it, but right, it's in, right. in Jesus' name. So you've done that, and now they're being treated as a Jew or a Gentile. I mean, I mean a Gentile or a tax collector. All right, so what do you do to a Gentile and a tax collector? Put them outside the church. Yeah, sure. they're outside. Yeah. But don't you share the gospel with Gentiles and tax collectors? Absolutely. Now, you're not fellowshipping with them in a sense of like you're not having a meal. Now, Jesus is using language there because he's not saying that we never have fellowship with Gentiles and tax collectors. Right, right. But the sense is they're not Christians. They're outside, and they need the gospel. And there is, and then the, since the peace has been broken, their fellowship with you is broken. And that's one way the conflict ends— but it still doesn't keep you from going to the next step. And so the next step, last step, is actually a step that can be carried out at any point here, and that is give forgiveness. And, you know, Jesus says, right, uh, how many times you're supposed to forgive? Seven times seven? Yeah, seven times uh, uh, 70. 
which is 490 term times. So on time 491, you're done. <laughs> now the point being is gotta that keep track. Uh, gotta keep track. That's yep. part of that's part of the process. <laughs> yeah, keep track of the process. Keep track. <laughs> how many times have I gone through this with you? <laughs> that's how we are. And oh, you gotta think when Peter asked the question, how many, you know, seven. How many times should we forgive? Seven? I think Peter said that in a way of like, I'm gonna bring a large number up. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he probably thought he was like, you know. I'm really doing something here seven times. And then Jesus is like, nope, seven times 70. <gasps> and so then Jesus tells the whole story about the, 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 the parable. And the point being is that we're called to be forgivers. I, I saw it actually, but before we got on here on Facebook that somebody posted, I, I think it's a pretty good thing that we're never more like God than when we forgive someone else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, that's a good sentiment. I, I don't know if it's completely true. Exactly. I mean, there's probably other ways in which we're just like God, but are we? But we are being Christ-like when we forgive. And um, man, the world does not know forgiveness, does it? No, it does not. Especially, man, the past couple of years, even the past five years. That's. I mean, I, I was going to say never been more apparent, but I'm sure it's been apparent that way. But man, yeah, you are right. They they do not know. They don't know forgiveness. They absolutely know the opposite. They'll hang on to it forever. They know they know church discipline and excommunication. Mm. I mean, our, our culture is excommunication. Absolutely. But they don't know forgiveness. And as Christians, we have to, to teach forgiveness. And so Calvin in this passage talks about two types of forgiveness. And so they might go well with the one guy who's been made the Gentile, right? And, and, and I call it pre-forgiveness, which is, it is an attitude of willingness to forgive. Mm-hmm. And, and in a sense of like, as far as I'm concerned, there could be peace between us. Right. Yeah. Um, now, it doesn't mean that my view of you is somehow elevated, like, or like, I don't think you, it doesn't mean that I stop thinking you're an evil person, <laughs> yeah. like, or that you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does mean I'm ready and willing to forgive you and to bring peace about. And the only thing stopping it really is you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think I'd add to that. That means a disposition to forgive that person. It, it means not having all of these, uh, special hoops. They need to jump through specific things they need to say. I'm not saying they don't need to repent of their sin, I just mean, I think there's some people, I've seen this a lot, I mean, I'm sure you have, I just think there's some people that make it so hard for somebody that sinned against them to gain their forgiveness. They have to jump through so many hoops, they have to say things certain ways, and then... Kiss the ring. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Kiss the ring, yeah, lest I be angry. Um, yeah, that kind of thing, where... That's not the disposition uh, we should have. And I'm not saying it's like you were saying, where's the false peace, where it's just like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. But there there has to be that, the right attitude in your heart that, you know, recognizing that this person before you is genuinely repentant of what they did. You know, it, they, they may not have said everything exactly the way you wanted it said, but it, is their heart in it? Yeah. And, and I think you can test it. You like Joseph tested his brothers a little bit, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so he tested their trustworthiness, mm-hmm. trusted to see before he revealed himself. So in this peace process, you know, we there's always the caveat of following this if it's safe for you. Like, you know, you you're being abused, then mm-hmm. there's a whole different. Like, you need to go to the civil authorities and mm-hmm. and and report crime. You need to go. You there are times when you don't have to first talk to them privately and bring two or three witnesses before you go to the church. Sure. But this is the general process. And uh, again, that attitude of peace and the attitude of forgiveness towards them doesn't mean that there's no um, repentance. There's no, um, like if they stole from you, that you don't get restitution. All of God's law comes into a play, restitution and all those things. But you know, even in the Old Testament, when if the thief couldn't repay, he became your slave. Mm-hmm. 
you're commanded by God to treat your slaves with love in a certain way. Right, right. And in one sense, you're taking care of the person who stole from you. And so our, the civil punishments and the carrying out of consequences aren't negated by this, but as a godly man, we're willing and ready to be forgiving. Now, that's like the first part. The second aspect of forgiveness, and this is where we'll start to wrap it up, is that uh, is the restoration of the relationship. And this is between brothers. And this is like they have not only are you ready to forgive, they've asked and now you give forgiveness. And again, what I'm about to say is general. There may be exceptions to this. But generally, that means I will not remember. I will intentionally not remember this incident again. I will not bring it up. And I will not hold it against you. <laughs> and um, and uh, I will restore the relationship with you. And if I won't bring this up again in the future to hold it against you. When you say I forgive, that's what you mean. And not like, well, I forget it until you do something like this again. Right. Yeah. Bringing it up, bring things up in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So drudging it up. So there's got to be a sense of, and I think it's important then that if it's really big sins that have been done against you, that good conversations happen. You can't paper over those sins. You need real conversations and heartfelt forgiveness. But when it comes, there should be between brothers and sisters in Christ, a restoration of relationship. That doesn't always mean a restoration of trust or restoration of, of exactly how things work. Cause you can't ever put the genie back in the bottle. Sure. And so there may be changes that occur because of sin. Sin negatively changes things like Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. But generally, between brothers, you should be able to just continue the relationship, work towards building trust, work till getting back to where you were. And uh, what an amazing thing when that process plays itself out. Yeah. It's a devastating thing when it doesn't, too. Yep. Well... When it does play itself out and you've pursued it, you've won your brother, you've glorified God, and you're called a peacemaker, which means what? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. All right. Well, I think I'm going to end it here. Uh, I will remind everybody again that uh, if you're listening to this the first week, uh, that means that you are a Fight, Laugh, Feast member, and we appreciate it. Hopefully you signed up with the Code Patriarchy, and uh, you can listen to more episodes like this one. You can also buy somebody a membership. Uh, there's all levels of membership. It's not just one price-fits-all type deal. So if you know somebody that eh, maybe they can't afford it, buy them a membership, and they can listen to episodes like this and some other things behind the paywall. And if you are listening to this the week after, and you're listening to it for free, uh, and you do have some money and you want to support us and listen to uh, these episodes and listen to other stuff behind the paywall as well, go to fightlastfeast.com, click the sign up, become a member, and use the code PATRIARCHY when you do. You listen to other episodes of After the Sandwich and a bunch of other stuff behind the paywall too. There's a lot of things there, some really cool things, sermons and uh, other podcasts that only are behind there and other kind of uh, content too. And so, Tony DePonte did a 24-hour pun uh, uh <laughs> video for you to watch too <laughs> that'd be amazing i don't know if i want to do 24 hour but that would that'd be kind of amazing we should we should do I, I will say this i think at some point we're going to do just an entire episode of just dad jokes i think that would be kind of amazing um and that would be kind of cool to just maybe maybe like a members only thing or something too but we got to get some more members signing up so go do that uh, either sign up if you are not a member or sign somebody else up and let us know. Uh, send us an email at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com. Let us know if you want us to do uh, an all-dad joke episode, and uh, we will consider it. Uh, a musical. A musical. <laughs> the musical. Dad joke, the musical. You do not want to hear us do a musical. I will tell you that one right now. <laughs> oh, goodness. We'll write the thing, and then we'll get um, that one guy to sing it. Uh, that one guy, Brian. Yeah, we'll get Brian to sing it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, boy. That'd be kind of fun. Uh, okay, that could be actually kind of fun if we did something like that. Although we'd have to, we'd have to shoot him something on Patreon too, because we got to support we got to support Brian. That way he's not out there singing uh, "Santa Baby" again next year. <laughs> All right. Okay. With that being said, this is our episode for this week. Thank you for listening, and until next time, as always, make me a sandwich. Mm-hmm.